Hi, podcast listeners. This podcast is sponsored by Bending Branches, maker of high-quality canoe and kayak paddles. Even though they're the world's largest paddle manufacturer, they remain a small, privately held company tucked up on the banks of the St. Croix River in Wisconsin. Family-owned and staffed by paddlers, Bending Branches spends countless hours designing, prototyping, testing, and perfecting their paddles. Bending Branches canoe paddles have been a longtime favorite of Boundary Waters paddlers. Over 40 years ago, the founders developed proprietary rock guard tip protection technology to prolong the life of their wooden canoe paddles. Still used today, rock guard helps their wood paddles maintain their integrity by sealing against moisture, protecting the blade tips and edges, and weathering tough conditions faced over many years. Their newest canoe paddle, the Black Pearl Strait, is designed with the Boundary Waters paddler in mind. This time, however, they employed the weight savings of a full carbon paddle for long-distance flatwater trips. Weighing only one pound, this paddle helps you cover miles effortlessly while providing the peace of mind it can withstand conditions with Edgard tip protection, a fiberglass weave that seals in the carbon blade and prolongs the life of the paddle. You will always be in good hands with bending branches. They pride themselves on personifying Midwest integrity and elevating the paddling experience. Their live customer service team is happy to help answer any questions and get you set up with the perfect paddle companion for your next Boundary Waters trip. Call, email, or chat with them on bendingbranches.com. From one paddling enthusiast to another, happy paddling. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. And it's, it was really cool, it was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars, I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights.
episode 73 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm sitting on a giant sandstone boulder with Joe Fredericks. I'm here in rural Kentucky, Daniel Boone National Forest with Matthew Baxley. We're just beneath the Cumberland Falls, 69 foot plunge over a giant sandstone drop in the middle of mountainous Appalachia. Now what's this got to do with a Boundary Waters podcast is my first question. Well, anybody who has ever spent time looking into some of the stories of the wilderness may have heard of a man named Jordan Greider. You certainly have, Joe. Well, we've talked about him even this season, season five of the podcast. We were over off the Echo Trail, the Sioux Hustler Trail. Uh, Earlier, it was in the spring, early summer, went there with a conservation officer for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources to Jordan Greider's final campsite, which was on the edge of the wilderness off the Sioux Hustler Trail. And we're here to tell you what Jordan and the Boundary Waters has to do with the last 24 hours of our life. That's right. We've been riding around Kentucky in a pickup truck that we rented in Nashville, Tennessee. Coming up here because uh, Jordan Grider died in the Boundary Waters, had his final campsite there, and was then eaten by wolves. And uh, there's a lot of just different ideas around what happened to him in his final days. We're, we're trying to, though, on this trip, learn more about what brought him to the Boundary Waters? Who was this 29-year-old kid from New Mexico who died in the Boundary Waters? And a big part of his life's journey was spent right here, Daniel Boone National Forest area in London, Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, Appalachia, as you said, Matthew. And he lived in this area for many years, five years. He camped about for five years on a piece of property owned by some kind Mennonite folks in Clay County, Kentucky. So at this time yesterday, we were driving a rented Ford Ranger pickup truck. You were driving it, Joe Fredericks. And we traversed this wilderness area and followed a lead that you had that took us to the outskirts of London, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. to a small Mennonite furniture store. That's where things got interesting. It is. We made contact with the owner of that store, the proprietor, a Mennonite gentleman named Dennis, who started us on on the path of where Jordan Grider lived and worked and spent time there. Though the Mennonite furniture store was closed you approached the door of the house a perfectly manicured lawn with blossoming flowers in the garden and Dennis came out and slowly his several Mennonite children trickled out and stared at you with awe and wonder as you learned from Dennis where that would take us next What are we looking for? Greenhouse. 
houses. There's a bunch of them, you can't miss them. And where it took us was over to a gentleman uh, who owned the land where Jordan Grider camped. It all started to them fall into a pattern of these are the places where he stayed, this is who he worked with, he worked with my Uncle Marcus up the road and my cousin. I mean, all these kind of family connections that Dennis shared contact information with us, and and it started to go from there. Indeed, we traveled to Goose Rock. It's the name of a small, not even town, community, even further into the hills. And we met a man in a pickup truck adorned with a straw hat, uh, suspenders over a gray collared shirt, some khaki trousers, and uh, rubber boots on. Mr. Rudolph. I'm Matthew, by the way. Okay. Or nice L. Rudolph. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Well, well, thanks how for... did you first go about meeting us? Well, I'm trying to remember. I was going to talk to Dad, and then I didn't take time to... I, want, I think he said he Googled Clay County, Kentucky as maybe being on the poorest places in the nation. And he had the idea that he's going to need to settle down and maybe find some cheap real estate somewhere and 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 maybe uh, get established somehow that way. I, th I think that's how it was. He had this idea that uh, the world, of course, we all know the world's getting bad these days. But he had this idea that he wanted to... Um, get back to earth and, and uh, whenever our political system defaulted and, and whenever the, the economy went bad and we were going to have to go back to living primitively like our forefathers did, we were going to have to... Uh, Darrell was eager to share with us having spent five years letting Jordan camp on the edge of his property uh, next to a creek in the forest. He wanted to take us there. This is about the best way in here. It's, it's uh, kind of grayed up. It's kind of blades to pass down in here. We're going to head down here about 100, 150 feet. It's clear out maybe a little bit here for a while. You want to check And Durrell knew Jordan's fate yep. and thought it was incredibly valuable and honoring of him that we wanted to know his full story and wanted to be a part of sharing it. He knew right away, as most people do when they talk about Jordan Grider. You mean the, he was eaten by wolves? You mean how he was eaten by wolves and he died in Minnesota? It's kind of become the narrative, and uh, there's a lot more to it about his life as we're finding out along the oh, way. Yeah. He had a little flat place here. Yeah. And he had his tent here and I'm s I can't remember this this hammock where between, he had it between two trees. Yeah between here, huh? two trees here, but he had a little he had one of them little um fancy um did he did he rig up one of those um really efficient fuel stoves. Okay. And uh, the best I can remember is he had all these wild ideas, but then it all come down to the end of the day, he could very quickly stop it, get some food in town on the way to and from work, and he mm. he did some of that kind of stuff here. But he, I'm gonna say, he bathed here in the stream, and mm -hmm. and uh, 
But then that thing, I don't know if he had some storms and the weather, it just got, which he was here with winter, I'm trying to decide, yeah, he would have been, it would have been the winter time, five years, he would have weathered all types of weather, and I remember coming down and visiting him already here, and I mean, we'd have snow on the ground, and mm. I mean, he'd dress up, he'd, he'd have himself surrounded with yeah. how he how he weathered that, but of course, um, he had his ways. Well, you know, we stomped through growth in the forest that was up above our heads with Darrell in the lead. Took us to the spot where Jordan camped, told us stories, then took us, took us to a spot where Jordan had built a shelter, uh, a well-crafted shelter, mm -hmm. where he had a barrel stove and was seeking some warmth. Uh, but that came to an end, as we saw, when a tree fell through the through that shelter and basically destroyed it. And Jordan was not in the shelter at the time that it was destroyed. Correct. According to Durrell, that had a, a big impact on Jordan, and uh, he didn't stick around much longer after that. But it was situated. Yeah, the tree is still lying there. Wow, where, yeah. Where mm -hmm. it fell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He had some hole in there at one point. Okay. Oh, yeah. He had a little, little stove. He had a rake. He had a gotten to where he was going to make a, I don't know, sauna or something. Oh, yeah. And he has a partial of a barrel there cut up. But, oh, yeah. And then he bought a few sheets of tin and put some, some skylight in it for some light. It's kind of something to keep him safe from the elements and the, yeah. the cold and wind. But he, he didn't ever, I don't know if he ever stayed in here yeah. overnight much. It's more of a... Yeah, something he could go to when it was storming or something. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was providential he wasn't there on the night that tree fell. Mm -hmm. uh, so after we left, as you're saying, Matthew, we were walking through that thick brush. What's learning the name of that creek? Goose Creek. Goose Creek. Learning about the uh, snakes that were in the grass. Copperhead. <laughs> That's right. Rattlesnakes. Black snakes. It just things chiggers in the grass yeah, I'm, I'm itching my feet right now as we... i hope that that's not a thing yeah, maybe well to be continued i yeah, guess yeah we'll, we'll find out if they're still itching by episode 74 we got a yeah. problem <laughs> he did say it takes about two weeks holy shnikes oh man all right uh, so we left Goose Creek. Darrell, being the hardworking Mennonite man that he is, had to go. His flip phone kept ringing. Uh, he had somebody coming to his farm to buy compost. So we parted ways with him and headed to his uncle Marcus's house, where we had already been that morning. We're trying to. Marcus is uh, supposedly a storyteller, but all we encountered was a young man on a riding lawnmower. Marcus make it home yet? Oh, he should be home in about maybe 10 or 15 minutes. He should, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we'll tell him we'll maybe come back later on or something, huh? Yeah. Okay. Not later on, though. He should be here soon. Okay, that sounds good, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So now we're leaving Marcus's place, and we're dropping back down. It's hot now. This road we're driving, 80... Highway 80 in Kentucky and going east. It's a pretty rough, dangerous, winding road. We had some encounters on there that weren't so pleasant. 
along the way and so now we're coming off of highway 80 and we're heading back into London stop to regroup a little bit because where we're heading next is a house where Jordan Grider lived for a short amount of time uh, east north north actually pretty much due north of London he got out of the hammock and into a house for a while lived with a, a woman there named Kelly it was important to us that we track down Kelly uh, knowing that she knew Jordan so intimately and was such a big part of his life leading up to his departure from the region uh, but it is kind of a it's unnerving enough to walk up to a stranger's house asking about intimate and potentially probably painful parts of their life. So we brought a we brought a gift and we were prepared with a note. Uh, but we didn't find Kelly at that house. Now we met a gentleman who came out from the house. We pulled in the driveway and a kind of an older gentleman stepped out. Said a few words and said that Kelly's no longer living there, but she's living just a little bit further down this other winding road. That single wide trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. What's your name? Silas Hope. Silas, I'm Silas. Matthew. Nice to meet you. I'm Joe. Appreciate your help. Yeah, just go out there and turn left. So we go back down off a of Holt Road. Yeah. Back you down to the... No, just right up the hill. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And turn left. Yeah. And it'd be the first place on you left. It's probably about maybe a mile and a half around there to it or something like that. But yeah. it'd be the first place on the left. Uh-huh. Past that where those Mennonite kids were working in the field there. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. We'll find it. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate Thank it. it. Thank if you. They, if she's not there, they'll know where she's at. That's okay. great. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Grateful for his directions, we proceeded uh, kind of deeper. It was just deeper, you know, passing past Amish children tending to goats and and gardens with no adult in sight, uh, exchanging pleasant waves, and came to an unoccupied, seemingly unoccupied house, just uh, perched on a hillside with maybe the oldest dog I've ever seen in my whole life. Maybe had one eye that could see, maybe. that. Just this old gal with sagging teats and limping along, kind of howling. Like a pit, like a large... Almost like a mastiff bulldog mix. Especially from recent events in my life, having very much to do with the Boundary Waters, decided not to approach a strange dog and... We waited for quite some time. You composed a heartfelt note to Kelly and left it at the end of the driveway in hopes that she would contact us. It's sticking in here. Mm-hmm. Set it on the driveway. Huh? Yeah, just tuck it right in there so you can see there's handwriting. And that was a whirlwind of about somewhere close in that 10, 12 hour range. So we had nothing, there's nothing more we could do to, to track down, to find this person from the past. And really that 
wraps up this other than we went to a city park in London and played basketball with a young kid named Hunter who we continually referred to as Hunter S. Thompson late gonzo journalist who was born in Kentucky so, so we played games of pig playing basketball with Hunter S. Thompson They're young hunters probably 9-10 years old a couple of his cousins they're having a baby shower at the local park uh, it was nice to watch the sun go down just having spent the day sort of in some chaos talking to strangers roaming about the sort of hills to be in town around families and remember that this place too has people that are living their regular everyday lives and and then to travel to some of their scenic spots like the Cumberland Falls and realize that we're all just trying to find our way here find some beauty find something that means something just just like Jordan was and this river is beautiful and there's a lot of history here and there's also a lot of garbage on the banks of this river uh, sure makes me appreciate all the clean water we have in Minnesota and the clean lakes and rivers in the boundary waters uh, but it's still nice here this is still gorgeous it just has felt the impact of the humans as we prepare to return to the pristine waters of our home we will find a spot to take a little dip here before we leave if the water seems clean enough and inviting enough big thank you to all the kind souls who open their hearts and their minds and their homeland to us here in Kentucky. We're very grateful. Dennis and Darrell, who likely will never hear any of this because they don't operate radios and computers, this wouldn't have happened. It would have been a very different experience without their, their guidance and support and direction. So just to put it out there into these Kentucky hills, thank you to our friends over in Clay County and Laurel County, Kentucky. Woo! Look at that! Look at that garbage! <laughs> oh, shoot! <laughs> I just sing when I paddle in Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Rule me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around Campfire light all round, all round, all round the campfire light.